Okay, well, let's get into the message for tonight. Uh, Exodus 20. Exodus 20. Who of you has been here when I preached this message on the law? Okay. So, there's a lot of people that can hear it for the first time. Amen. Um, if you're at home you can, and you've got uh, eSword on your computer, you can open that up. That will really help you uh, in reading with us. This is going to be more like a, a study. You can open Exodus, uh, Exodus uh, 20 as well as... Um, As well as 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that as I preach the gospel here tonight, that many people's lives will be impacted. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak the truth about Jesus, which is There's nothing greater than Jesus and what He's done for us. That I can speak that truth with such a boldness. That we can go out here and find God being born into our lives. Where we can find You speak through us. We can find You think our thoughts. Where we can find God living inside us. Manifesting Himself in us. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. I had a question on Facebook and the guy asked me, are we in the kingdom or is the kingdom in us? And I got this picture of a glass inside a bowl of water, you know, at the bottom there. So, <laughs> is the water in the glass or is the glass in the water? You know, that's, that's it. You know, we don't have to split hairs about it. Both is true. <laughs> Amen. The kingdom of God is in us because we are in the kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Right, let's first read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 from verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat? And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them was God not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as, they, as were some of them. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for our example. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that think he stands take heed lest he fall. Now that is a New Testament <laughs> verse that can really condemn you. If you don't understand what it really stands for. We should know what, what Paul was writing there. 
And uh, Paul uses Israel and what happened in the desert and in the Old Testament a lot in the New. Also in the book of Hebrews. He uses it a lot. You know, explaining um, the gospel from the Old, Old Testament. Now, before we can read the Word of God in the Bible, we need to make our mind up that God is a good God and that God is a God of love. Otherwise, it will be very difficult to read the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is the message of no condemnation and God's intent for man, which was Jesus. So, whenever we read anything in the Bible, and we're going to go to the real law, verse Exodus 20. When we read that, we need to see Jesus. If you don't see Jesus and the finished work upon the cross, you are not reading the Word of God. When God gave the Ten Commandments, there was two purposes for that. Number one, it was to bring in a law, to sh- which I believe was the main purpose. Which, to bring in a law to show man that he is sinful. It was never there for the purpose of man to become righteous through that law. Once we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, and we look at the Ten Commandments, we can never read it from the perspective like, If you honor your father and mother, you'll have a long life. We can never say, I must do those things as the Old Testament people has done it. We must have a different way of looking at the Ten Commandments. If we don't look into the Ten Commandments and see our life in Christ today, we are not reading the word that was hidden in the Ten Commandments. Okay, we must read what was hidden. If you cannot see the hidden word... Hidden to the Old Testament people, they couldn't see it. So when you read there, you must think, well, the people who had this back then could never understand what I understand now. Then you know you are reading the Word of God, which was hidden for ages and generations, but has been revealed unto us by the Holy Spirit. Right, so here it comes, and he says, look at the, look at the Israelites. They were all led out of Egypt, okay, into the desert. And in the desert they fell. And God was not pleased with them. Then he goes on and he quotes certain things from the Ten Commandments. Like, don't commit fornication, don't do all these bad things. And he adds things like, don't tempt Christ um, because the people were killed by serpents and whatever. And all of a sudden it's as if condemnation wants to get onto you again. You know, now we are, if we read that wrong... We can think that we get saved by grace, but we, we keep our salvation by obedience to commandments. It's like I said many times, you know, when I, when I was a young Christian, I felt God would tolerate some of my nonsense. But as I became more mature, it was as if God was now becoming angry with me about small little issues. And that was what was preached to me. That's what I preached to people. You know, if you're a young Christian, young Christians, they're always happy. They're always excited. They get, get it right to do miracles. You can find a young Christian. He just received Jesus. He goes out into the street. He lays his hand on the sick. They get healed. You'll find people receiving Jesus. Uh, he's preaching to everybody. He's not scared. He just goes, you know. And then the, the more mature guys say, yeah, you know, this guy is because he's young in the Lord and God is overlooking his mistakes and granting him the anointing because he has not become mature yet. But after five years, then God's not going to grant you the anointing. 
And God's not going to give you the breakthrough. God's not going to talk to you anymore. You know, you know. after a certain, in the beginning, you, you, you are so on fire, you take the Bible, you read, you hear the word of God, you're excited, you hear God's voice. But after a while, God can't speak to you anymore, He will speak to it through a church leader. can't speak to you. He speaks through a church leader. And if you don't submit to the church leader, then God will never speak to you. But He spoke to you while you weren't anywhere. He spoke to you. And you were valuable enough that He could spend time with you. But as things go on, we find it's more difficult and everything. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. That's not what God intended for us. God intended for us, it was, it's like marriage, like I've said to you before. When I, Elena and I got mad in the beginning, man, I was in love with her. And you might say, you say, what? Well, you were. Yes, I was. But I'm more now. Amen. Why? Because I've started to, to, to know her better. I mean, we start to live, I mean, we are one. We live together, we think together. I can't imagine my life without her. Why is it like that? We've grown together. It should be like that with the Lord as well, as we discover more of who He is. In the beginning, all we know is He gave His Son, He loves us. But now we will experience the very person of God in our relationship with Him. Amen. That's, that's what it's all about. So, um, here He comes, He let the people out. They are in the desert, then they fell. Now, if you go and read the book of Hebrews and the book of Romans, you'll see that He says that God was not pleased with them because, and they didn't enter into the rest because of their unbelief. So the whole thing about the New Testament... The whole thing about the gospel, the whole thing about the Ten Commandments which was given in the, uh, 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 the desert there was a guideline. They wanted the thing. But do these things, then you'll be blessed. Now if we go to the New Testament and we take a look, look at the Ten Commandments, it must be something that engraces us, that empowers us, which will be something where we can obey God and live by faith. So the Ten Commandments must be something interpreted in the New Testament as a foundation from where we can live by faith. It must be Ten Commandments which shows you not what you must do for God, but shows you who you are and promotes belief in your heart. Now the Bible says the righteousness that's of the law is not of faith. So it's, a, it's actually a bit, a bit of a difficult interpretation of the Ten Commandments. But I saw some great things there. Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto thee any craven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, and you shall not bow down thyself to them, neither shall you serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them which love me and keep my commandments. Right, let's, let's just stop there and, and, and just handle that first one there it says 
that we shall not, that he first brought us out of Egypt. So if we read the Ten Commandments, let's read it out of this. What is Egypt? Egypt is the place of bondage where man was made righteous by his works and where we were enslaved. The Egyptians, or the, the, the Israelites, has been enslaved under the Egyptians. So, what is enslavement? In the New Testament, we are slaves which are under tutors and governors, which is the law. So, we have been made free and we are not slaves anymore. What did the Egyptian people do? They went out, God that they cannot see, let them out. Then they were in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Promised land in today's terms, the return of Jesus Christ. When they were led out, they desired again to be in bondage. They desired again to go back to Egypt. Now what we've seen so many times is, uh, we think that going back to Egypt is going back to sin. No, no. Sin manifests because you've already gone back to Egypt. And Egypt is the law way of thinking. The I do by my works to be righteous before God way of thinking. So he says here, I am the Lord God that has led you out from Egypt. I delivered you from bondage. I, the Lord God, did this. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out from the land of Egypt, out of thy house of bondage. You shall have no other God before me. So, what type of a God is God? The one that brings us out from bondage. So, you will have no other God before you than the God that has brought you out from bondage. Any other God, God doesn't want, to ha- want you to have it before Him. Then it says, you shall make no craven image. What is a craven image? It's something that you make with your hands. So, it is a God that's produced by work it, and what is a God it is one who can lead you out or bless you so he says don't bring forth a God that can or something that can be a God and give you freedom from bondage by your creativity your work that's the first commandment isn't that awesome the gospel of grace That's what he says here. I mean, when God said these things, these guys were literally reading it for they had a literal experience of going out of Egypt. But what is our literal experience? We've got this literal experience of being taken from the bondage of the law system. That's why this makes sense to us. Amen. This makes sense. You shall have no other God before, before me. Yes. Okay, let me just show that here, verse 1. Go to verse 1. I'm going to show that quickly. It says here, And God spoke, God spake all these words. You see all these words there? Just before that is the Hebrew number 853. And it's in brackets and not translated. Now that is the Hebrew character, Olive Tav. Olive is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And Tav is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, translated into Greek, Alpha Omega. Now it says, and God spoke, and, and now the, con, the, 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 the tense in which it's written, it's written in a certain tense. The tense in which it's written is uh, in the uh, uh, accusative, it, it talks about what is, it precedes the accusative, it precedes what it's talking about. So what it's actually saying is, 
And God spoke the Alpha and the Omega, which is all these words, saying. So when you read the Ten Commandments, you must see the Alpha and the Omega. You must see Jesus Christ, the beginning and the end, which was by the doing of God. So all these words, Ten Commandments now, everyone must speak and pertain to our life in Christ. Any other interpretation is not the Word of God. Remember, there was the woman caught in the act of adultery. Hmm? Were you allowed to commit adultery according to the Ten Commandments? No. We can stone her. So here was the letter of the Word, and here was or the Scriptures, and here was the Word of God. The Word of God said, I don't condemn you. The letter said, I condemn you. So what is the Word? The Word must be all, and God spoke all these words. And God spoke Jesus. He revealed Jesus. He spoke about Jesus. And He says, I am the Lord God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. He revealed Jesus. And says, I brought you out of Egypt. He says, you shall call His name Jesus. For He shall deliver His people from there. Egypt. How does He deliver you from your Egypt? (laughs) By delivering you from the taskmaster. Which is what? The law. (laughs) You don't enjoy this? It's only God and me. Thank you. Hallelujah. As long as God's happy. Amen. So there it is, clearly. And I am the Lord thy God. So here we must see Jesus. He is the Lord our God, which has brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other God before me than what God? The Alpha and the Omega. So, think for yourself. We're talking about having other gods before God, two or three weeks ago. Having another God before God. Many times I remember... Eliana, when we just got married, it's a mooi spielkas, you know? Spielkas in Engels, I don't know what it is. Dressing table. Okay. <laughs> so, she's got this very nice dressing table that her father fixed up for her an antique. So then, she always had this fear in her heart, and we were both living under the law, that we should not like this thing. Especially with her, she should not like this thing too much. Because if you like it too much, then God's going to take it away. Because He will not allow any other God before Him. Now with that doctrine, no Christian can ever enjoy anything. God can give you a house, but you should never like the house. God can give you a wife, but you should not really, want, you should not really make her feel special. Or spend too time, much time thinking on how to bless her. Because then you are making her a god. I cannot enjoy my motorbike. Because God will take it away if I like it too much. Because it's another god. And God is not willing to share me. He's a jealous god. My goodness, man. That's not the gospel. That's bondage. That is one of the biggest lies you can find. And I think as pertaining to material things in this world, Satan got in a big shot there. And Christians could not enjoy anything. 
cannot enjoy your prosperity, you cannot enjoy where you stay, you cannot enjoy anything. It's always living with the slight undertone of condemnation in any, anything you've got. You go on holiday, I mean, I think of myself, I'll go to, I'll, I'll go to Western Zambia in the middle of the bush, and I'll drive past Vic Falls, and feel guilty to spend $40 to go in, in there. Because I could have preached with this money. You know, and I shouldn't make beautiful places. All of a sudden, what's the motive of your heart? To see Vic Falls or preach the gospel? Well, thank God that I can preach the gospel there. But I want to see Vic Falls now. And I don't feel bad about it. As simple as that. So, and now we, we thought that liking something like that is another God. That's not what it talks about in the New Testament con- context. It didn't even talk about that in the Old Testament context. In the Old Testament context, we're talking about taking a piece of wood, carving some image out of it and praying to it. In the New Testament, what it means is, don't create something that can bless you by saying, by my works I will bring forth a God that can bless me. Don't even do that of what is in heaven. Well, I, this thing is what is in heaven and it can bless me by my works. It's in heaven. But I, by my works, create a thing today that the heavenly can bless me today. That's bringing another God before God. It says, I will speak all these words. I will speak the Alpha and the Omega. You will bring no other God before the Aleph Tav. You'll bring no other God before this system that says, this Jesus takes you out of bondage. If you want freedom from bondage from cigarettes, if you want freedom from bondage of alcohol, if you want freedom from bondage of bad language, or of whatever, don't bring any other thing that can deliver you from that before God. Even if it can. Don't create, if I just work, the revelation of the one that took you out of bondage. You see, the problem was, God could take the people out of Egypt, but He struggled to get the Egypt out of their minds. And it's exactly the same today. You know, we, we find that God has taken us out from bondage by redeeming us. And the work we have as preachers today is to get people out of the, the, the Egypt, out of their minds, by preaching to them, you have been delivered. You have been set free. But the problem was, they were in the desert. When, they were, when they've been in the desert, I mean, there was not running water every day. There was not, uh, they could not see a Spence Fall course, you know? Those on the internet, a lot of food. I couldn't see that in advance. They just saw daily provision and that's all they saw. And that's what we see today as well. We find, here we are, we say that we have been redeemed. We say everything, but now we find maybe the economy took a dip and my business took a dip. So, my God... What now? Where's God? Listen, we cannot find, don't make that financial state of your business your God. That says, I create this thing that if this business is blessed, then this God of successful business can speak over me and say, you are the blessed of God. That's bringing a false God before God. 
Enjoy your house, enjoy your car, enjoy your wife, enjoy your life, enjoy your holiday. That's not a false god. But saying that that determines who I am, that's a false god before God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then he goes on, he says, You shall not make unto thee any craven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not, you shall not bow down and serve them, nor, uh, nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity upon the fathers of the fathers, upon the children's children, the third and fourth generation, unto them that hate me. Okay, now let me just explain that. You remember, he says there that God is a jealous God and that He visits the sins of the fathers upon the children's children till the third and fourth generation. Now, you can go and see the further explanation of that in Exodus 34. Where God was on the mountain speaking to Moses and He said to Moses, Listen, I'm keeping mercy for thousands. I'm jealous of my people and I will not let anyone else redeem them, they are mine. I will redeem them for anything else that wants to redeem them will have a price tag of slavery connected to it. Hard work, labor, promising deliverance, but you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And then God says, I like these people so much that I visit their sins until the third and fourth generation. With what? The Bible says with the mercy that He keeps for the thousands. So the Bible says, I am the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. And then he says, that will by no means clear any guilty one. He will not pass by any guilty one. Of those that hate him, the people that hate him, he will be merciful to them into the generations. Hallelujah. And then those that love Him, those that respond to that, they will be, thousands of them will be blessed. With what? With eternal life in Christ. Because they've responded to this love of God. Amen. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that, uh, that love me and keep my commandments. Now, what is the commandment of God? The Bible clearly states, it says that I, this is the commandment of God. That you love one another as I have loved you. Number one, that you believe in Jesus and love one another as I have loved you. So those that believe in Jesus, what will you experience? You'll experience the love of God which is already true for all people, even the sinners. Thank you, Jesus. You shall not, you shall not take the name, look at this, you shall not take Alpha Omega, which is the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Hallelujah. <laughs> now that doesn't mean you have to say I, I cannot say anymore. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. When somebody gets a big fright, sometimes he calls on the name of the Lord. And we, we were thinking, you know, that is you know, I, I find many people they say, you know, I can people can say beer and deer and whatever, you know. But they cannot say the name of the Lord. I get very upset. Man, that's just a holy cow. That's all it is. If somebody says the name Jesus and you don't agree, you know, and you get 
uh, upset with that. No, but he used the name of Jesus in vain. That's not what this talks about. This has got some complete different thing here. He says, you shall not take the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last name. What is his name? His name is Salvation. You shall not take the salvation of God in vain. For you will not... You shall not blame Listen to this. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that has taken his name in vain. He that takes the salvation message of God as a nothing and says, I don't believe in the salvation... He will stand guilty before God. But that's all. It means rejection of Christ. That's all it means. What is vain? It means vanity or emptiness or nothingness. Now the Hebrew people, when they named their children, that name spoke of the person and what type of person, who that person really is. You shall call his name Jesus, the angel said. For he shall save his people from their sins. So you shall not take, for he shall save his people from their sins as nothing. Hallelujah. You shall not take it as just nothing. I tell you, man, if you, the the other day I, I spoke to somebody and he said to me, you know now, what about Noah? And the, uh, uh, and the flood. Or no, Jonah and the fish. Jonah and the fish, that's what we do. What about Jonah and the fish? Do you think it was a real fish? Do you think it was really swallowed? I said to him, why do you question it? He said, man, how can a man live in that whale's tummy? It's impossible, you'll die. That thing swallows water. He says, you'll drown. So I said to him, have you ever considered that, I've asked him, can God Almighty keep somebody alive in a place where he's supposed to die? He says, of course. <laughs> I said, you see, your problem is you've only calculated this thing half. So half a calculation. You didn't put everything into the sum and come to the conclusion. I mean, if we take sins... For instance, yes, I've sinned here. Yes, I did do this wrong. Yes, I did do that wrong. You, this guy's guilty. But that's not, all, that's not all the truth about his sin. You must bring in the fact, if you want to really walk in the truth about somebody's sin, that there was a man 2,000 years ago that came and took the sin of mankind upon himself and then removed all of sin from man. And add that into the calculation before you can say in what state that person is. Now, I've seen it so many times when it comes to, you know, we say, well, God blesses me, say, when it comes to finances. You know, I do believe that God's a good God. Jesus paid for the sin of the world. But you shall do these 20 things before God can bless you financially. You shall think pure thoughts. You shall do this. You shall do that. You shall do that. Now God cannot bless me for... Listen now, what about the name of Jesus? What about the person that has redeemed people from all their guilt and all their disqualification? 
So what you say is as pertaining to salvation one day in heaven, Jesus is enough, but we will take His name in vain when it comes to financial prosperity. Now we don't take His name in vain when it comes to financial prosperity. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You shall not take the name, the meaning of Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega means what? It means that He is the author of my salvation. He's the one that keeps me saved. And He's the one that will manifest the fullness of immortality in my life at His return. And in between all I do is rest. We shall not take that in vain as pertaining to finances or health or anything. It's like we haven't taken the name of the Lord in vain in church when it comes to eternal salvation. But anything else, revival, healing, blessing, peace, marriage, take the name of the Lord in vain. No, no, let's not take the name of the Lord in vain. His name means He has saved His people from their sin. Is that vanity, emptiness, nothing? No, no. Hallelujah. Remember, oh hallelujah. Remember, Alpha Omega, the Sabbath day. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Remember, Olive Dove, which is, if you really translate it correctly, which is the Sabbath day. What does Sabbath stand for? Rest. In six days. Let's, let's read it. <laughs> the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. Holy means set apart unto God. Keep what Jesus has done as set apart as it comes from God. I tell you, in mixing the gospel of grace with the message of condemnation, We have not kept the Sabbath holy. We've set it apart as nothing unto other gods or whatever. By saying, we should worship on one day. Let me repeat that. We have not kept the Sabbath holy by saying, we should worship on the Sabbath day. We have not kept the Sabbath holy. By saying, we shall worship on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is not a day. The Sabbath is a rest. Is Alpha Omega. Is these words which I speak unto you today. Which we saw in the beginning. It says, and these words, Alpha Omega, I speak unto you today. These words is also the Sabbath day. It's also the name of the Lord. You shall keep, you shall keep the Sabbath holy. Right, so what does it mean holy? I'm set apart for this day. I'm set apart for resting and not entering in by my works. I'm set apart for that. This is this whole system that I'm in. I'm standing in the Sabbath of God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to honor the Sabbath by not saying that if we get 20,000 people together, God might grant us a small revival. But if we get a hundred thousand, it might be a bigger revival. No, no. That's not right. Let's keep 
the Alpha and the Omega, holy, which is the rest of God. The Bible says, labor to enter into the rest. In other words, make an effort not to fall from the message of grace. Amen. We can play with many things, people. We can't play with this. We're talking about the name of the Lord, man. Using it in vain. We cannot do that. Right. But uh, it says, six days you shall... uh, uh, Six days shall you labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And you shall not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made Jesus, which is heaven, and the earth, Jesus, the sea, the sea speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Spirit of God, the attitude of God. Okay, so let, let's just go back there before I interpret that. Right. It says here, right. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, thy God. In it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor the cattle, nor stranger that is within thy gates. So what are you saying here? He says, wherever you have got authority and a say over people's lives, you shall preach this gospel to them and share this gospel with them. That's what he's talking about there. You will not let your servant work on the Sabbath. Now, how do we get our servant not to work on the Sabbath? We preach the gospel of grace to him that he can come and believe. We shall not live in grace and preach the law. I found it many times, you know, when I've been speaking in my life. I, 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 man, I remember somebody years ago came and shared the love of God with me and I, it was too much for me. I couldn't hear it. I became angry with the guy. I became angry with him. I didn't, I, you know, it was like, no man, this is wrong. And I, and I just believe in the very same way, while being angry, I wanted grace. I mean, I didn't want to give grace. So if somebody in church would do something wrong, if he would not tithe, I would say, well, then God cannot bless you. Finished. But if I didn't tithe, I would say, oh God, have mercy on me. Please care for me. (laughs) He says here, you shall not let your servant be under the law. So you don't live by grace and preach the law to get people. Now that servant there, I don't don't think it talks about just people working in your house. What it means is, man, wherever you've got influence, let grace be seen there. Let the, 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 the day of the Lord be seen everywhere. I mean, if people work for me, I share the gospel with them. That's it. I don't want them to work. I don't come with a law mentality towards them as pertaining to Christ. I share the gospel of grace with them. There's, there are laws in this country. I mean, Vesel Yannet, they work certain hours. They've got, we've got a contract that we work for. But in my relationship with them, it is a grace-based relationship. When I share with them, I talk with them as people to whom the Lord gave His Son. Whom God gave His Son. Amen. I share grace. So it says, you will not let anybody close to you work. Honor 
Alpha Omega, your father and your mother. <laughs> Honor Jesus, who is the one that gave you life. That you may have not just long days, as it says there, but eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Now I say, thank you, God, for the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a good guideline unto me, man. Honor Jesus all the time. In the beginning, you shall listen. This is the word of the Lord your God. I have redeemed you. You shall not make any other redeemer. For I am jealous of you. For I have been good to you while you were a sinner. And I want to manifest eternal life inside you. You shall not work, but rest in my ability for you. Isn't that awesome? You, you honor what I've done, and you'll have eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Now I want to say this. It might sound like, I must do something from my part. What is done is so powerful that it brings forth the fruit of respect and honor. If you can just see what is done. You just really see what he's done. Amen. Hallelujah. It says there, Honor, Alephtav, thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God has given thee. Now the Bible says the Lord has given us, He says to, to the humble, they will inherit the, the earth. So Jesus will come back to this earth, make the earth new, so that we can live long on this land that the Lord has given us. Which is this earth. So that in His return, we will not be removed with those that don't want to believe in Jesus. That says, I make my own God by my own works. But we say, God, we honor Jesus and what He's done. Amen. How do I honor Jesus and what He's done? By not trying and building up my own works righteousness. Thank you, Lord. You shall not kill. Okay? Now how do you kill? With the ministration of death? The ministration of death was written on stones. Okay? 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 and 7. The ministry of death. That with which you minister death. So, I mean, in the natural world, that ministration of death can be a gun, a knife, whatever. So now, spiritually, what do we kill with? We kill with the message of condemnation. You shall not kill. So what does God say? He says, man, you shall not preach this law message. You shall not kill people by condemning them. Don't do that. I love people. You know, I want to just say this. As I go through the commandments, I'm finding that I'm obeying them. It's very easy. It's easy to do. I don't find, oh God, I'm guilty or whatever. I just find, thank God, I see the fulfillment of Christ in every verse. And I see how, as I am in Jesus and Jesus in me, how all of that has been fulfilled. Thank you, Lord. So, that's why it says, this, this is the commandment of God, to believe on Him. Because if you believe on Him, you are fulfilling the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Every commandment is fulfilled because believing in Jesus is what everyone stands for. If you believe in Jesus, you are not bringing a false God before God, for you believe in Jesus. 
and what he's done. If you believe in Jesus, you are not using the name of the Lord in vain. For you say, I make my, I call upon the very name and what he stands for. I believe on what he's done in every area of my life. If you believe in Jesus, you are honoring your father and mother, for Alpha Omega is your father and your mother. If you believe in Jesus, you are not killing, for you are believing in the life-giving God that has given life to every man. As a free gift. It is already fulfilled in just one command. Believe on the name of the Lord. Lord, what shall we do to work all the works of God? Believe on Him whom He has sent. John 6. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Listen to this. Uh, you shall not, it says, you shall not commit adultery. Now, you remember Romans chapter 7? It talks about adultery. What is adultery? When you were married to the law, but God died the law man. And now he says, so that we can be married to Christ, as you believe in Jesus, you shall not go and fornicate and commit adultery with a corpse. I mean, I vet man is a doy lake, man. <laughs> can you live in a lake? Doy lake. Amen. We are not going to have any fornication. He says, don't fornicate. What does that mean? Don't ever think of, I must try and do something to get God to bless me. Don't think of doing anything to be righteous before God. Don't think of anything to get God to open a door for you. Don't fornicate. Be intimate. Stay intimate with what He's done for you. How do we stay intimate? Very simple. We look into the mirror. We look into who He really is. Knowing who He is is who I am. Thank you, Jesus. It's like that. It's like that verse. I'm going to read it now for those of you who haven't been yet. A couple of couple of Zachariah three. I saw in the Old Testament errands. If you ask me where Zechariah, it's very easy. You type in Sach, you know, send on Zukunfia. Zachariah, if you take Afrikaans of Vertalen. And then it gets it for you, very easy in the Bible. So those of you watching by the internet, um, it is on Esau, there, Zachariah, Zechariah 3. I want to just read this. Listen to this. Next, the messenger angel showed me the high priest Joshua. I'm talking about how do we not commit adultery? How do we not kill? By doing what? By looking at the truth about our lives. And the truth about our lives is Jesus is the representative of man. He's the representative of all of us. Amen. He says, next the messenger angel showed me the high priest Joshua. He was standing before God's angel where the accuser showed up to accuse Joshua. Then God said to the accuser, I God rebuke you accuser. I rebuke you and choose Jerusalem. Surprise! Everything is going up in flames, but I reach out and pull out Jerusalem. Joshua standing before the angel was dressed in dirty clothes. Isn't that awesome? Here he was in dirty clothes, but God said to the accuser, You are coming on the wrong foundation to him, because the foundation is me choosing them, not them dressing clean. He rebuked the accuser for sinning. 
The accuser was sinning for he came with the, from the wrong platform. So we can go before God and say, you know, ek het so gemaakt, Heere, ek het so gemaakt, ek het so gemaakt, ek is heel maar ek het goed verkeerd gedoen, Heere, jy is seker kwaad vir my. And he will not rebuke you for the wrong thing you've done, but for this nonsense of thinking he's angry with you because you've done the wrong thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> I tell you, this stretches the brain a bit, you know. From the Ten Commandments. Shall not commit adultery, shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now what is false witness? A witness is somebody who's got, who sees something and testifies of what he's seen. So when you've been to heaven and you've seen what God has done for your neighbor, you shall not lie to him. You will tell him the truth. Neighbor, I want to tell you. You call yourself unclean, but God calls you clean. Shall not lie. Shall not bear a false witness. I'm a witness of what? Of the mercy of God on a sinner. I'm a witness. I can testify that God justifies the ungodly. I can testify that God blesses the sinner with the life of Christ as a free gift. I can testify that righteousness is a gift of God for free. I can testify that is the truth. And I cannot lie to my neighbor about him. Don't give false testimony to your neighbor. You talk to somebody about Christ, man, you see the truth here. What it actually says is, don't preach condemnation, preach the grace. That's all it says. Now that we can keep. It's very easy. And the wonderful thing about this is, it's not, if you keep this, you will be saved. It is, I save you. And walk in the truth. Hallelujah. Right? Um... You shall not covet thy neighbor's house, nor covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that, thy na- that is thy neighbor's. And all, all the people saw... Okay, we will get to verse 18 now. So he says, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. That's the last commandment. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Paul came and he went to that verse... In Romans chapter 7, and he said, I was reading that verse, and I tried to keep it, not coveting my neighbor's stuff, and then all of a sudden I found all type of covetousness rising up in my heart. But what does it mean? Your neighbor. Now, now, this is the way I understand this. Your neighbor is, he by his effort and his work, he got what he's got. I've got God that provides for me. So I don't desire what he got by his hard work. Let's take my, myself for instance. I don't desire a guy, a, a 5,000 seater church full of people. That a guy got by works righteousness. I don't desire anything from him. For God is my source. Hallelujah. My Yerra dies. That brother that is so full of all these works righteousness, he's driving a big car, Lord. Here I'm in your mercy and grace, sharing grace, struggling, Lord. Don't desire what he got from a craven image. Enjoy, I provide for you. Hallelujah. That's contentment. That's all it is. It's just contentment. Listen to this. 
And the people saw the Alpha Omega, Jesus, which is the thunderings and the lightning and the noise and the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Many people say, Lord, we want to feel the earth shake. We want to feel the cloud. We want to see the thunder of God. We want to hear the audible voice of God. Listen, you can't get a more audible voice. Jesus went into a level higher than audible voice. It's called manifestation in flesh. You see a voice you cannot see. You can just hear. But God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why it says, and, you sh- and when people saw Jesus, the thunderings. So what is the, the, the thundering of God on the earth today? It's the gospel of grace that's being preached with power. And nobody and nothing will ever stand against that message. I don't, if you stand with this grace message and what Christ has done for mankind, I want to tell you, you are backed by the power of God. God backs you. The Almighty God backs that message. Cares for that message, provides for that message. Hallelujah. So when Paul comes in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10 and he says, let's, let's not do as those people did. What was he trying to say? He was trying to say to them, listen, look at how they were led out. Spiritually, they ate of Jesus. Spiritually, they drank of Jesus. They did all those things spiritually. Speaking of us today. So let's not fornicate. Let's not uh, uh, tempt God. Tempt Jesus. How do they tempt Jesus? They say to Jesus, if you go and read in Numbers 21 verse 5, and I'm going to end off with this. Numbers, 25, Numbers 21 verse 5, he says, They tempted God by saying, our soul detests this light food falling from heaven, talking about the manna. We want something heavy, they said, real food. We don't want this manna that falls for free every day. We don't want food for not working. We want work, food. Or you provide for us flesh. Provide for us that we can live in the flesh. God says, I cannot provide for you that you live in the flesh. The only provision I have is that you can live a free, light life. That's my provision for you. Their soul detested that. Then serpents came and bit them. Serpent speaks of the snake, the devil. The devil's venom. Rejecting Christ brings the venom of Satan which brings forth death. But if you can see that Satan's work has been nailed to the cross because that snake was put on the pole and when you looked upon that you were healed. Hallelujah. That's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 10. To me that's a... I think according to God and me. That's a correct interpretation. Of the Ten Commandments that can bring life and joy to every man. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. God is such a good God. He's delivered us all. Amen. He's delivered us all. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to, man, I want you guys to be inspired to the point that you just, you believe this and share this. Amen. Tell your friends. You know, this is, let's not lie to our neighbor and share the gospel of grace with them. Let's not let people that we've got authority over work. <laughs> Where we can see people, that they are working. Man, share the gospel of grace with them. If they want to work, what can you do? But don't let them work because of you. Let's share grace. Let's share the love of God and, and, and be humble enough to receive the love of God. 
The Bible says there, uh, uh, wives, submit to your husbands as we submit to Christ. What does submit mean? It means allow the husband to love you. That's submission. Submission is for the wife to allow the husband to love her in the way he wants to love her. So, submit. Let's submit to God and allow Him to wash our feet. Allow Him to work on our behalf. Allow Him to be good to us. That's submission to Jesus. That's submission to God. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank You for Your grace. I thank You for Your love, my God. You're such an awesome God. I thank You, Lord Jesus, that Your Holy Spirit, Your Holy, the Holy Person of God, is here and has been indwelling us all the time. Thank You for that, my God. And I thank You that healing manifests in everybody's heart. Father, even the people watching over the internet right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare your emotions and your mind healed. I declare the veil lifted. The veil of not understanding the gospel lifted from you and clarity coming to your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for that, my God. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I declare any accusation that has come towards any person here or watching all over the world, that accusation, I'd say to that accuser, Accuser in the name of Jesus. I say to you, Accuser, God rebukes you. Who are you to accuse the people of God? In the mighty name of Jesus, the people of God stands before God as chosen by God. In Jesus' mighty name. Blessed by God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody that is here, you know, let's grab a hold of this with a purpose to make use of it. When accusation comes, when any challenge comes, we make use of the truth of Jesus to bring peace to our minds. For the manifestation is out of the cross of Jesus. As we make use of what He's done, we find His manifestation in this life. Thank you for that, my God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.